We acknowledge this podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Feeling Nostalgic. I'm your host Demi Lynch and I'm going to keep this intro nice and short and simple because I am losing my voice but today on the show we have a dear friend of mine we have Hannah Diviny and she is a woman of many uh, many titles she is an author of one of my favorite books of this year I'll let myself in she is also the editor-in-chief at the independent news media platform Missing Perspectives she is a disability advocate she is also an actress she is a podcaster and she also was named woman of the year for Marie Claire's the advocate title she is just Oh, I'm just in awe of her and the incredible work that she does and the advocacy that she does. And I'm so happy to have her on the show and also just an excuse to talk to her because I don't, <laughs> I think I just want to use my podcast as, as an excuse now to just talk to my friends because I am so terrible at socializing and all my friends are so amazing and fabulous. So yeah, it was just great to just properly ever sit down and talk with her for over an hour so i hope you enjoy our chat today the beautiful the fabulous hannah divini is here today hello my love how are you hi i'm good thanks for having me back yes i'm so glad to see your face we have been in each other's dms for uh, many years now and I love that I could just now use this interview as an excuse just to talk to you for over an hour so thank you yeah it's great you more have... people should get into podcasting just for that pure <laughs> reason yeah exactly yeah just get into podcasting just so then you're just like you know what I'm working but at least I get to chat to my friends exactly yeah yeah <laughs> So you have been a very busy, busy gal. I want to go through a few of your job titles because the last time we've chat, last time we chatted, it was not this many, honey. Okay. You are editor in chief at Missing Perspectives. Yes. You are an actress. You are a podcaster and you are an author. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. That is my beautiful book right She's there everybody so beautiful so beautiful the cover design and the colors yeah they just... did they did good um, they did good it, it was always gonna look like that in my head and then i basically gave them the design brief and they were like is this right and i was like uh-huh That's exactly <laughs> what i needed guys thank you shout out to george sard at alan and uh, at, uh, at alan and on when he's the incredible mastermind behind that design um, oh yeah it's such a gorgeous design and it like gives a great pop of color to my bookshelf so yes. yeah Thank which is you. what i wanted yes Plus, with so many people releasing like brilliant books I, I i wanted one that's gonna like catch people's eye it's gonna stay in your, mu- your mind it's easy to find if you're like not sure where where it is you can like say to the bookstore it's bright yellow with pink like you know yeah, yeah, an easy identifier. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, my dear, I've brought you onto the podcast to talk all things pop culture. I know that's such a chore. I know you hate talking about pop culture. I know, it's the worst. <laughs> what are you doing, baby? Why are you doing this? I know, it's so cruel of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first question I like to ask my guests on this show is mm-hmm. what pop culture moments, so like, movie tv show music celebrity gossip are you obsessed with right now uh well i like obviously at the time of recording this we are only a few days post the terribly tragic death of matthew perry um who played chandler bing on friends for those who don't know um and friends was one of those really formative comforting pieces of media for me especially as a teenager um I didn't have a lot of friends so Monica Chandler Rachel Ross Phoebe and Joey were kind of it for a while there uh and unsurprisingly I think for those people who know me in real life it was Chandler as a character that I related to the most um I think he the way that Matthew Perry was able to infuse him with like such humor and such tenderness at the same time just really um had had an impact on me as like a a writer a performer and and a person who often uses humor to like disarm certain situations and to like make people comfortable around me I find humor an excellent mechanism for doing that but also equally um there's been this great quote of Matthew Perry's going around recently about how he wants to be remembered and for him it was his work with addiction and alcoholism um and his advocacy in that space that he would prefer be closer to the top of the list as opposed to friends as grateful as he obviously was for the impact of that show. Um, and a couple of months ago, I read his book, um, Friends, Lovers and the Big Terrible Thing. And a couple of times in bookshops, my book has been relatively close to his on shelves and all of that kind of stuff, which is nice. It's always yeah. a bit surreal to be like, huh. And I found it a really, really hard read. I'm not going to lie. If, if anyone out there has read it, they'll know that he really didn't um, hold anything back. And mm. he went into pretty excruciating detail of what living with long-term um, addiction is like but I think it was a really helpful important and weirdly hopeful read which makes everything that's happened recently obviously infinitely more sad um because it kind of felt from the outside at least as though he had a bit of a second act coming so to speak so to have that disappear I'm sure for his friends family and loved ones must be devastating 
on a lighter note. On a lighter note, please. <laughs> because I brought the mood right down with that. Oh, yeah, great job. <laughs> yeah, good good job, me. I um, have just been absorbing all sorts of pop culture. Like, I recently, my, my family and I sat down and watched Beckham on Netflix, <gasps> which we loved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We found that really interesting and actually really insightful in ways that we didn't expect um plus the dynamic between david and victoria is is hilarious and wonderful yes i love her (laughs) i'm also a big fan of the whole taylor swift travis kelsey situation we've got going on at the moment i just think that a guy putting his number on a friendship bracelet getting turned down at a concert and then but through a series of events that we kind of know but kind of don't know have the girl that he was interested in as his girlfriend now is just like pretty great it's just beautiful it's and like seeing one of her songs come to life yeah. I love it <laughs> and it's just reflective of like the fact that like rom-coms and stuff like that are, st- are somewhat based in reality mm-hmm. yeah it's like our real life rom com because we like, don't get rom coms like people. we used to. Yes, yes, <laughs> it can happen. It might not happen with a superstar like Taylor Swift or like a football superstar like Travis Kelsey, but it can happen. <laughs> yeah, and that, that doesn't mean like that their relationship is perfect, and obviously they're mm. still human, and it's messy and chaotic and c- crazy, and having this much attention on on them must be a lot. But just knowing mm. that, like two people can find each other and seemingly be really happy and just navigate stuff together without it being a problem because I think, like, there's a reason Taylor wrote Antiheroes. You know, sometimes her fame like hers must feel suffocating and huge. Yeah. So I don't have um, someone who so far from all accounts and from everything like the public can see is just kind of matching her stride and meeting her where she's at is just really really nice to see yeah, yeah it's just it's just beautiful they're just so perfect and i hate that i'm getting so like um absorbed absorbed in their relationship but i am so we got to get our serotonin somewhere at the we moment. Gotta, we got to get it somewhere. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> if it's from Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey at the moment, if that's what makes you smile, then great. Yeah, it's a good distraction from the shittiness of the rest of the world, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, do- they're doing the good work these people are. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Th- them-, them falling in love and being together is very selfless of them. Thank you very much. <laughs> It's a public service, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I would love to get into now uh-huh. the pop culture moments that you experienced and grew up with because you go into it in your book and we've had conversations about it. So I would love to pick your brain some more. Yeah. You also talk about in the book, which again, I'm going to recommend to people. I will show up on my screen. Please recommend. I get it. Um, something else that you mentioned is that when you were growing up, because of your disability and the accessibility that you had, 
it was a bit of a struggle socializing so it was very different to your sisters yeah so was it like say movies and tv shows that you sought comfort in then when you were home yeah, I, and not socializing I, think so. I um grew up very much in like absorbing disney which i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll get to in mm-hmm. due time um but as a kid it was a lot of like the disney channel and then like Hannah Montana and Wizards of Waverly Place and or it was things like um Fraser and like Friends or just all these kinds of different places where I could find people with interesting stories and I think for me as someone who has always been fascinated by storytelling I would take and absorb whatever I could so I was always listening to music or I was reading or I was testing out different writing styles um on my laptop where I was watching tv or I was watching movies um and obviously like as I've gotten older and that creativity has felt more tangible and more achievable like especially in recent years like now that I go oh well I've had an idea for a movie let's say and I I know that like there is actually a world where if I did where if I played my cards right I could execute that idea um that's kind of now what it's transitioned into but when I was younger um especially I would look at say the kids on the Disney channel like Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, kind of Vanessa Hudgens, Zac Efron. Like I was a big High School Musical fan. Um, can still probably sing you any and all of the songs <laughs> from any of the three movies. Can't remember the maths I learned in high school, but <laughs> if you need, if like someone's life or money is on the line for a High School Musical sing-along, I've got you covered. <laughs> Yeah, gotta, gotta remember the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was stuff like that. Um, but I would look at those people who I thought from the outside had, you know, pretty great lives. And I would look at the amount of visibility that they had from being on the Disney Channel. And, and I would say, oh, well, I want to do that I want to be famous like them and I think what I meant was I want to be seen like they are yeah um obviously the older I got and the more I understood how intrusive fame was fame was and is and the more I like became familiar with you know, paparazzi culture and uh, just the treatment of young young women in the media. Like, I was a little bit too young to be kind of front row at all the Britney Spears stuff, but it was all there. Um, and it's something I know about now because I've obviously seen, seen a lot of it still play out because that that poor woman is still still facing it but I but I was there for you know all the Taylor Swift 
slut shaming. I was there when Selena Gomez was hung out to dry multiple times for dating Justin Bieber. I I, I was there when Demi Lovato, you know, had all of her issues and went to rehab and all of the different stories that came out about her. And I, I grew up, like, watching the Jonas Brothers talk about pu- purity rings and, like, pregnancy, pregnancy. And I remember how scandalous it was when, like, Miley Cyrus was caught smoking weed or, like, the her 2013, I think it was 2013, VMA's performance with with Robin Thicke, like that, those, those images are all kind of burned, burned on my brain, um, and obviously now that I know more about how the Disney machine worked, and the different constraints that they were under, I go, actually, being like them wouldn't have been all it was cracked up to be, um, but I think as a kid, I just equated that with visibility and feeling seen and having friends and being popular and feeling like you actually had a place in the world, which was definitely not how I felt as a kid. They definitely give off the impression like, you know, oh, you're one of us, you're part of us. If you're part of us, you're cool. You're one of the cool kids. Like there's definitely that that factor with Disney and the Disney kids. Yeah. Mm. I want to go back to High School Musical because I find it interesting like that's like the key moment that you're like, that was your obsession. And now that I think mm. about it, I can kind of see it because it was it was very cliche and like, you know, high school stereotypes, you know, there's the jock, there's the girl that falls in love with the jock, there's, you know, the, the, the theatre nerds and stuff like that. What character did you gravitate the most like in the, the three High School Musical movies? What was your like, ride or die, I love this person? Mm and love all their songs and just adore them? Um, I think it would have to be Gabriella. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was clever like me, but, like, performing like I, like I did. So she had, like, the best of both worlds, so to speak. <laughs> Oh my god, that was such a great pun in there. That was such a great reference. <laughs> um, thank you. I, I, I use that phrase quite often, and I'm sure it's because of, of Hannah Montana. I'm sure it, it wouldn't even occur to me <laughs> as a phrase to use if it weren't for that show. Yes. Um, but I also like just felt like the fact that she, she was always, she always seemed really unassuming mm. and really quiet and really sort of unsure about how she landed in the position where everyone wanted to be a friend or she was going out with a really good looking guy or like you know the this the singing was happening to her like it was very different to say Sharpay for example who represented all all of the um, kind of girls that I knew or girls that I went to school with who had way more confidence, <laughs> almost to the point of arrogance, really. Um, yeah. Mm. About their, their their ability to take up space in the world, and I just didn't have that. I would yeah. never 
have that. Like, it's also not my personality to be like, look at me, which I know some people <laughs> will be listening to this and going, but you're so, like, you've done so many things that make us look at you like, how is that not what your personality is? And it's the the thing I, or the secret I guess I'd like to let people in on is all of that feels like it happened relatively by accident. Yeah. Like, yes, I've put in the work and yes, I've been in the right place at the right time, but the fact that it's continued to happen and been consistent is mind-blowing to me. And every time I think, oh, well, this is clearly, like, this is enough now. Like, the snowball is going to stop gonna stop rolling um it doesn't and so every day I'm like oh wait there's more um (laughs) and I think something that will surprise a lot of people is that I'm quite introverted I can be the life of the party if I'm in the right situation but I'm also the person who's quite happy to spend a couple of hours just listening to music on their own yeah and often needs that to like recharge Mm mm-hmm yeah and I love that you're so open about, like, yeah, using pop culture as a way to, like, recharge and stuff like that. And, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is just so great because I know pop culture for some people can be, you know, uh, trivial and, like, you know, like, oh, it's just, you know, celebrities and stuff like or that. But it's like guilty. Like, pop culture is mm. always framed as, like, a guilty pleasure. Yeah. And when, when people say to me, what's your guilty pleasure? I go, well, I don't have guilty pleasure like if I like something I like it unapologetically and if I don't like it well then I'm not gonna not gonna engage with it but I refuse to like feel guilty for anything that that brings me joy because I think you know that that kind of sets us all up to to fail and to feel like joy isn't something we should be able to access or isn't or isn't something we should be able to tell other people that we're experiencing and I think that's a really flawed way of looking at the world so I try actively to be quite loud about the stuff that I that I enjoy which is is funny to me because some people go oh my god like would you stop talking about like Taylor Swift and other people are like, well, now I'm going to tell you about all the things that I love and now we're going to have conversations about this and exchanging music or now I'm going to have people that I text when I watch certain shows because I'm like, oh my gosh, did you, did you see that new episode? Or Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also as well because, like, for example, with your history of your love for Disney, that mm-hmm. obviously played a big role in future endeavours. Like, so, for example example of course the disney princess petition yeah which it's kind of it's endlessly funny to me that something that shaped so much of my childhood and that i got so much joy from as a kid is the reason people started to know who i am yeah yeah because that's how i first discovered you yeah yeah and that will will be how a lot of people probably first um, started seeing my face and hearing my name and I think to have been given that gift by something that brought me so much joy irrespective of whether or not like the actual um, movie itself happens and we do eventually get that disabled Disney princess 
which I won't lie to you, obviously, like, seeing the last couple of months um, with how Disney's behaved in relation to the writers and actors' strike, I feel Mm -hmm. less confident about slash less comfortable with. Yeah. Because I think any company that is willing to go on the record and say they don't mind if their employees starve Mm -hmm. um, is not really something that that gels with me. I think, of course, if, if they called me five minutes from now and said, hey, let's do this project, I'd be like, yeah, let's... Let's do it. But also, I'm a big believer in paying people fairly and in giving art the compensation and the respect mm-hmm. it deserves because I think there's so many wonderful people out there who make art with their whole heart and soul and they don't do it for the recognition. They don't do it for the accolades. Those are just nice to have. They're the kind of people who would be doing it even if they were working, like, menial, mundane, dead-end jobs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I was always curious about that with Disney because because you yourself now are an actress and so you understand how important it is to have, like, you know, great working conditions mm-hmm. and equity pay and... Luckily, you you have had great experience. I know in previous conversations you spoke about your experiences with your the first TV series, Latecomers, and how beautiful and amazing everyone was. But yes. for a lot of people, particularly in Hollywood, because it's just so big, it's not a great experience. No, and... it's it's not. Mm. And I think, uh, like you said, I I was very lucky to have the experience with Latecomers. That was a real unicorn of an experience um and it's not it's not until I've had other experiences and you know continued being around those guys and and heard about their subsequent experiences on different sets that I've realized how rare what we experienced on Latecomers is and Mm. how exceptional um that is to the rule unfortunately experiences like the one we had on latecomers are not the norm, um, which makes me sad and makes mm. me want to kind of reform the film and television industry so that everyone can feel safe and supported um, when they go to work because I think people create the best when they feel happy to be somewhere and when they feel valued. Um, but, yeah, ha- having had experiences that sit at different places on the spectrum to that since then um it just makes me really conscious of how I how I want to be every time that I'm on set and the sort of person that I try to be and um like how important it is to even know everybody's name in the crew or to have that one detail that you remember every day that you can like talk to them about or to just make sure that if you're having a bad day, there's enough of a barrier between that and work that you can go and do your job and then let the other stuff come back Yeah. Later when, when other people aren't, you know, relying on you to, to get a job and make a thing. And that I'm really, really proud of everything that I've made and I'm really, like, I can't wait for you guys to see the movie when it comes out um, next year 
Uh, but yeah, I, I think I've learned a lot over the last little while about the sort of person that I want to be and the sort of environments that I would create if I was the person calling the shots. Mm, yeah. You know what? I predict, this is me predicting, I see you like creating like a movie or a TV series and like you you creating then your own version of a disabled Disney princess then. That's what I kind of say then. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's, I think that's where things are, he- things are heading. Um, I'm now really lucky to have all sorts of contacts and wonderful people that I know um, in this industry, both here in Australia and abroad, um, which is mind-blowing. But I think as much as I would love, like, the prestige and the access that having the tagline, like, disabled Disney princess would would give you I think mm. the great the the purpose and the benefit of a particular story that for children and I mean for adults too because the best animated films always are um that centered disability is far more important than if Disney wanted to come to the party or not so I think yeah. it's become less about getting their attention and more about how how do we make this work so that it happens, and then if Disney's the one who comes to the party, great. But if they're not, then we'll just do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And you yourself are already someone that is such a great storyteller. Which, again, I know I'm mentioning the book, but again, like the storytelling that you do in you. your book, I was very confused with the beginning of the birth story of like you getting born because I'm just like. How does she write it so much so that it feels like she was there as an adult watching over? Like, the way you told it, I'm just like, wait, she's telling her birth story. Why does it seem like she's there? I'm so confused. Like, the way you were able to tell the story. I wanted to to know that I achieved that. It's great. Oh, my God. I was – so I'm someone – I don't like kids. I'm not really a – um maternal kind of person but I was invested like I was reading a novel about a mum having a having a kid and she's going through a difficult birth and then about the father coming I was just like oh I was invested I'm just like oh my god I'm gonna know about this kid I'm just like oh this is Hannah and she's writing about it like hands down oh brilliant brilliant story writing and thank you thank you the most kind of pinch me message that I have gotten Aside from all the wonderful ones that that tell me, like, I'm so glad my disabled kid has you to look up to. Or, like, no. this is, you know, the first time I've ever, I've ever seen myself represented in a book, which makes me want to cry, um, is the lovely Zoe Foster Blake was kind enough to um, provide a quote for my book. Provide oh, an yes. Front cover here. Mm-hmm. Which was very nice. Yes. Um, and she is such a such a talented writer in her in her own right. Mm. Um, like e- even the way that GoTo does its social media posts are so much fun and so yeah. interesting and different to the way we normally consume product stuff um, on social media. But she sent me a message that was really lovely, and it basically said, "I can't wait to see what you do." If you ever choose to write fiction, I hope you choose to write fiction. Please write fiction. And I was like, 
I was like, well, I was going to anyway. But <laughs> you asked. Oh, like, that's yeah, sure. Oh. That would have just boosted you. Oh my god, that's amazing. Well, it's, it's just and very I nice. To know that, highly like, recommend as well that you write fiction as well. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's just very nice to know that the skill you think you have is visible to other people, and it's not just some weird delusion you've had in your head that you can write well. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, yes. that will be the next kind of thing is figuring out like what story to tell, um, what, yeah, what sort of characters I I want to create, whether that's on the page or on the screen or, yeah. So I then have to ask. With you being such a skillful storyteller, oh, I wish I could see your face when I asked this. That's okay. With you being such a skillful storyteller, yes. did you get those skills from reading Harry Potter fan fiction on Tumblr? <laughs> I wish you could see my face now that you've asked me that too. Oh, Holy heck. Um, <laughs> that is that is a hyper specific example you've given Demi, but I can't lie to you. The, the answer is yes. <laughs> Yes! Fan fiction all the way! Yes! And do, do I still read it in some instances? Yes, I do. And yes. I think some of the best writing I've ever read has been either fan fiction or original fiction that gets posted on a site that you guys are probably all familiar with um, because people often get teased for being on there. Um, mm-hmm. Wattpad which brought us like the after series by by Anna Todd that's what pad's kind of biggest claim to fame or like the kissing booth that's a what pad story it's it I don't yeah. know huh. and so I, I I've just learned huh. like cool. I, I just try and absorb as much writing as I can from as many different places as I can and obviously like books are expensive and when you read as fast as I do because I am naturally a speed reader um buying books to keep up with that would become very costly very quickly so I would often go what do you mean there are these wonderful stories I can read for free that like people have poured their heart and soul into where I can still learn so much about character development and about writing styles and about how they pace things and about how they write like intimacy or how they write high school experiences or in the like I think it's so interesting there are people out there with the skills that can take like an existing world like Harry Potter for instance which is already so rich and vibrant irrespective of its original now problematic author and its its problematic kind of thematic concerns but I think it's so interesting there are people out there who are so skilled who you kind of forget that JK Rowling created it in the first place or you forget that there's all this existing kind of law to it because they make it so much their own and I think that's a real skill and that form of writing or that form of reading and consuming content should be given more credence because I think it's a wonderful way for people who 
might not have like the means or the connections um to kind of cut their teeth in terms of storytelling and to get used to how to tell a story so that when it comes time for them to like do their own original work they kind of already know how to steer the ship if that makes sense yeah and it also I'm really glad that like the way you've spoken about like with fan fiction like yeah it needs to get taken more seriously because and also it, it allows people of like say all abilities backgrounds and like where they at to be able to like share their stories because getting your story from like you know your computer the pages into a book that is a process like you know yeah and it's a process and a that takes it takes a certain amount of privilege like you you have absolutely be, you have to have the means to submit manuscripts to like an agent and then to be able to you know sit there and hope that a publisher picks it up or like financially mm-hmm. support yourself while you're writing it um and I think there are so many so many wonderful sto- stories where it stopped even being about characters or the real people it was based on sometimes but it just started being about how did they put this story together what were the what were the elements chosen how like how how much planning did they do before they started writing how how many scenes did they have in their head or like what what how 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 did it make you feel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i just think creativity in all its forms is very very cool mm, absolutely yeah and another form of writing i would love to get into because you're a multifaceted lady like you know not just acting not just podcasting but writing and now also you know being editor-in-chief of Mm -hmm. a media company how did that happen I know you go into the book but do you want to give a brief outline to listeners about how this happened because you've gone overseas for this media company we have we have we are incredibly lucky to have done Mm -hmm. that um and it's it's great. So missing perspectives um, was started in June of twenty twenty one by um, Phoebe Santelin is our founder. Hi Phoebe, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> she had basically had the idea for a couple of months before June, um, based around conversations she'd had with a roommate she had at the time in Canberra who is a political reporter for one of the major television networks. I'm not going to say which one, but basically she would come home from work um, to the apartment she shared with with Phoebe and tell her all these stories of feeling unheard or feeling talked over in the newsroom and in meetings and, and in who got the stories and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and Phoebe, very much like me, came from a family where if you saw a problem, we were taught to do something about it, not just see the problem and then go, oh, no, what will we do? It's like, no, no, you you get in there and you figure it out. Um, and so Phoebe had the idea for Missing Perspectives. She went to her mum, Meg. Hi, Meg. 
um, who happens <laughs> to be one of my teachers at primary school. Um, oh, that's and, amazing. Yeah, when she came to her mum with the idea, Meg had always sort of kept tabs on me. Like, we lived locally to each other, so it was fairly easy like we had lots of mutual friends so she always knew what I was up to um and she sent Phoebe in my direction and said look I think this person would be great to write an article for for you or at least be involved in some way and originally that was the plan I was only supposed to write one article like I was just going to be a regular writer and then I kept talking with Phoebe about this concept and I was fascinated by it as someone who would identify themselves um as a missing perspective i'm gonna sneeze hold on oh no it's it's just gonna appear randomly i hate when that happens because then it's just like this awkward (laughs) yeah Um, so yes as a missing perspective i was like oh yeah i love this idea representation is all is a big deal to me for all the reasons we just talked about. Um, so if I can help with that in any way. And also, Phoebe was very good and is very good at the business side of things. But at that point, she hadn't had any exposure to media. Like, really, she, she didn't know how to run a newsroom, how to make writers feel supported, how to do all of that stuff. And to be fair, like, I didn't either. But I had some experience of being on the other side of it. Like my first job when I was 15 was at Mamma Mia for a year. And since then I'd done a lot of freelancing and been exposed to a lot of different like communication styles and ways that people treat writers and what they expect and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I felt like I had some sort of experience in the sense that I knew what, what felt good and what didn't. And I knew what might be helpful for missing perspectives. And together, like over the last two and a half years, we have learnt. It's been quite a steep learning curve for both of us. We have kind of jumped off cliffs somewhat blindly and hoped that there's something to catch us, to catch us at the bottom. Um, especially because we launched in the middle of very aggressive Sydney lockdown. Like it took six months before Phoebe and I met in person um, because of restrictions at the time. Um, So we built this on a lot of FaceTime, a lot of Zoom, kind of an endless text thread. And now we're at the point where there's four people in the Missing Perspectives team. We've been overseas, like you said. We create sort of tangible change for social issues we've reported on on every major news event um over the last two and a half years and we've often gone to the women at the very heart of it who are living through it um to understand what that looks like and yeah it's been a really big journey but it's something I'm really proud of and I hope that everyone who is listening who maybe hasn't heard of our work or doesn't know who we are. And to be fair, a lot more people know who we are now thanks to the Matildas and Barbies. I was just about to say that. <laughs> exceptionally viral over the course of 
the Women's World Cup and over the course of Barbie being in cinemas, and we are extremely lucky that those two events happen to be going on at the same time. <laughs> thank you, Greta Gerwig. Thank you, FIFA. Um, <laughs> yes, your Matilda's content was, like, superb. I was just, like, you. so... I was so jealous. I'm just like, that is how it's done. Yes. I like, just see your followers quite a time. Loved it. I think the first the first couple of posts we like were like I I guess this works and then we would see <laughs> the numbers and be like okay this works like what do we what do we do to keep people interested and also to make sure that yes if we've got people hooked on the lattice stuff how do we keep them around when we pivot to talking about um some of the hardest stuff that women face yeah nah yous have done such a brilliant brilliant job and it's just so beautiful to see it grow and i also just have to say i love that we're seeing more independent news platforms just flourish right now like me i really too, love me it too. i'm such a fan of all of them in my instagram feed yeah like from missing perspectives to cheek media to daily oz to z feed like there's just to kaleidoscope news kaleidoscope like... news like it's just so amazing i just love that we're all doing our thing, doing independent reporting and news platforms because I don't want to see any more Murdoch media on my newsfeed. I want to see independent reporters from all different backgrounds who've got different perspectives who, and it just feels like we can all write news stories and not feel so constrained like we would have yeah, been and not feel. Well, I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but I, and maybe, maybe it's just because I don't have the business instinct yet because I'm only 24 and have had limited exposure to the workforce before I started become like being involved in, in in running my own company which is not necessarily how I would recommend anyone else does it if there are people out there <laughs> looking for advice um but it's worked for me so I'm obviously grateful for that but I don't necessarily feel competitive about yeah this kind I'm... of stuff I'm and that could also be because that's just my my personality naturally like I'm not the sort of person who looks at the pie and goes well there's only so many pieces Mm. how are we going to do this I I look at the pie and go well we'll just make more pie (laughs) like yeah we'll we'll just make the table bigger or we'll just you know find an extra seat somewhere and I think there's so much space for diversity and I think all of those platforms that you just mentioned have such distinct, powerful, passionate ways of mm. telling stories that I wouldn't, like, I don't feel like any of them are taking up our space or our oxygen or, but that's also just me because I'm also very much of the opinion that, like, if we take it back to the the disability space for a sec, like, you'll find that there, that a lot of the time it's the same disability advocates and the same high-profile disabled people who, pardon the pun, like, get wheeled out at these different events or... That was such a great pun there. I love your pun, Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very proud of that one. That one, that one is a favourite. I felt very, very proud of myself when I came up with that one. Um, but yes, my point being, like, there are kind of the same high-profile disabled people you see, like Dylan Alcott, like 
Chloe Hayden, like Carly Finlay, like Kurt Fernley, like me. And, like, we are all incredible humans, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. But we don't need, it doesn't need to be the five of us all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, there is enough room that you can talk to other people or you can, you don't have to ask the same same people all the time for their opinions on things and I think one thing we don't we still haven't really got our heads around collectively is like the diversity of experience within communities so like you you'll hear people go oh well we talk to a disabled person so we've got that covered or oh we talk to a person of color so we've got that covered and it's like well no because so, like, my experience of disability is vastly, vastly different to Chloe's experience of disability, where her disability manifests in a lot of ways that you can't see, um, but that are just as valid, obviously. Or, like, the way I get treated because of my disability is very different to the way that Carly gets treated because of hers. And I think there just needs to be the understanding that no marginalised group is a monolith or a hive mind and if you think that like nominating a disabled person or a person of color or a lgbtqia plus person or a non-binary person or a indigenous like you can't have one singular voice because that's not reflective of a community like there's there's going to be things that happen to people in the disabled community that I don't know about because they don't happen to me and as much as I can try and research and be across other people's experiences and advocate broadly and make sure people have considered different things there are going to be things that I miss Mm -hmm. all the time because there are things that I don't have to think about either yeah and yeah that's why I think it's so important people follow like you know, like don't just follow one news platform. Yeah, it, absolutely. Do like not follow news from one place. Yeah, like get it from various news platforms, and I would encourage independent platforms because they don't have you know the freaking Rupert Murdoch hanging over them. And but e- like even look at the way different platforms handle the same story. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And have that moment of being able to kind of critically look at it and go hmm, I wonder why they wrote about it like this and they wrote about it like that. Like, what Like what? What are the differences that shape the way they might approach content versus platform B or platform mm. C? Absolutely, yeah, because within these independent platforms, like, everyone's got different perspectives and they would have interviewed different people or know different people to have featured in certain stories like yeah, yeah or like their processes mm. are different or their teams yeah. are different mm-hmm. yeah and yeah that's what i do love like with all the beautiful amazing media platforms that have been created in australia because there are so many and they're so fabulous um the ones that i've mentioned i'll make sure to put in the show notes and give them a follow highly recommend um i do love that we're all just seem to have the same goal, which is put out news that is accessible to people, majority young people, 
and just take over Rupert Murdoch. We're just like, we're going to come together since Rupert Murdoch wants this to be a monopoly. It's just like, no, we're not going to let that happen. No. And I just love it. Yeah, yeah. it feels very refreshing and very hopeful to be a part of. I want that big group chat with all the me- all the independent media platforms. Oh my That's god, can you, I want can you imagine be. how crazy that group chat would be? No one would ever get any sleep. There'd be like a thousand <laughs> notifications an hour. How many different senses of humour and, yes. and ideas. And <laughs> I guess I would also love that group chat. I just think you'd have to have it on like do not disturb or <laughs> something so that we could all function. Yes. Otherwise it would be like a um, it would be like a pinball machine. Oh my god, yes. We would just be like, oh, did you see what these people wrote? Oh, the, like, our uh, um, News Corp wrote, we're gonna do it better, guys. We got this. We can do yeah, it better. Yeah, and it would also be an excellent hype room. It I would think. be the best hype room, wouldn't it? We could just be like, hey, guess what? Uh, this post that I just put out, look at the traction that it just got. Hell yeah. Everyone be like, oh my god, yes, that's amazing. Yes. Or I just signed this book deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put it. I'm, I'm gonna put it out there to all the independent platforms in Australia. Like, yeah, let's create like our own little group chat. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, my dear, we are sadly nearing the end of the interview. And what I like to do with my guests at the end is like some quick fire round questions. And okay. I'm very, I'm very excited about these questions. It's related to music, my dear. Oh my now, gosh. What? In... I've never spoken about music before ever. What? You never. It doesn't play a huge role in your life. Not at all. Not at all. No. <laughs> now, my favorite chapter in your book, I'll Let Myself In, is the ones where you put... Okay. For people that haven't read the book, there is a QR code in the book where you can access literally just Hannah's mind, which essentially is her playlist, like her playlist of her life, kind of, essentially. Yeah. And it's brilliant, brilliant, by the way. So I would, so with the that chapter, you talk about music and how, like, it's essentially, like, a soundtrack to your life. Like, so many yeah, moments absolutely. in your life, you have songs connected to it. So mm-hmm. I would love to go through some moments in your life and ask you, what song would you best describe associates to that moment? Was there a particular song you were you had in your head at that moment? That's what I would love yeah, to ask okay, you. Yeah, okay, let's do this. You ready? You ready? Okay, yeah. all right. All Step right. yourself in. Okay, so first one is, what, what song was your moment when you got told by producers that you actually were going to be cast in the TV show Latecomers? Uh, what song? Oh, it was probably, um, maybe it was like Signed, Sealed, Delivered, I'm Yours by Stevie Wonder. It was yes. just like, a, it was just like a really funky, like, holy shit, this is happening kind of moment. I love that. Yes. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. What was your song then when you were awarded the Marie Claire Woman of the Year Award? It was Rainbow by Kesha. Really? Mm. 
I haven't heard Rainbow, I don't have to, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, so Rainbow um, was, for context, um, the first album she released after the Dr. Luke mm. stuff. Like, it's where the song Praying comes oh, from. Love that song. Um, and Rainbow is just obviously the title track off that. And it's just really, um, really lovely and, and, and basically about this time in her life where she lost all the colours of the world and then they came back in ways mm. that she couldn't have expected when they weren't there. Yeah. You know what? I can definitely see that in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about then when you were doing the uh, – this is th- like – my favorite photos of you when you did the Marie Claire photo shoot. Uh, what was that? Um, it was probably. And has my favorite photo of you ever, which is actually on the back of your book. So very good choice of you in the yellow dress in the wheelchair. Thank Love you so much. Um, yeah. So that was probably, um, something like, I don't know, uh, Survivor by, like, Destiny's Child or... Yes! Just one of those, like, really clear, powerful, passionate songs where, like, those women knew their worth. And, I mean, over the decades, Beyonce in particular has proven again and again that she knows how to nail that particular um, style of music. So I think, yeah, that... That would be mm-hmm. what that was. Yeah, I can imagine that, like, in your head as you, like, doing the poses and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And lastly, the song that I can imagine that you were listening to on the plane when you were going to America for Missing Perspectives. Was there a particular artist or song that you just, as you were flying um, in, seeing America? probably two. Mm-hmm. One of them was Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Yes! <laughs> because it was oh, like, oh my honey. god, I'm going to hop off the plane at LAX with her dreams and her cardigans. Oh, um, I love that. Oh, honey, yes. Actually, I'm going to say there's three, and there were two okay. by Taylor Swift. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. Which is not surprising for anyone who knows me. Please uh, tell me one of them is Welcome to New York. It, it wasn't, actually. <gasps> These were... These were like older Taylor, so um, mm-hmm. like fifteen and mean. Really? Yeah, because why I why those two? I'm interested. I mean, to be honest, fifteen pops up in those two songs pop up in every major like life moment that I've that I've had where I've known that like something's gonna change. Mm-hmm. So like, first day of high school, that was what I pl- played. Like first day of uni, that was what I played. First day on the set of Latecomers, that's what I played. Like it's it's those moments where I'm like, this is a that was then, this is now, kind of line down the middle. Oh, um, and I think beautiful. both of those songs are so indicative of how this. This is felt because I did feel small and I did feel like people were, I guess, for want of a better phrase, very mean. And sometimes mm. they 
still are, but we are indeed at that point where I couldn't have imagined where I am getting to be. I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but getting to be big enough so they can't hit me. Or, like with 15, it's like, if you had gone back and told 15-year-old me, who, as anyone who has read the book will know, was like, deep in the trenches, <laughs> um, and it would often, it would get worse over the next two years as well, but if you had told 15-year-old me that any of this would be happening, or that, for instance, like, I'd have a book out, or I'd have a TV show, or I'd be, you know, in in writers' rooms with my friends, like making things, or if I, or if I'd be woken up at two a.m. by like countless creative ideas, she her head would have exploded, because not only could she not see that happening, but she couldn't really see beyond what was right in front of her because that was all she could cope with at the time. Um, and I'm finally at a place where, like, there is room for the future. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm being totally honest, like, sometimes that wavers, sometimes that dips in and out. I think the mental illness and the mental health that I live with is permanent and it's in constant flux. But we're going to ignore that my phone is ringing. I don't know why my phone is ringing <laughs> because it's on Do Not Disturb. But um, basically, it's just these are songs where I couldn't have imagined what was coming. Taylor Swift couldn't have imagined what was coming. Like even when she recorded that, sometimes I think about the th- the things that she thought were possible versus like at the time of Fearless versus the things she thought were possible like at the time of 1989 the first time or what happened with her like with, with reputation or I'll, I'll never forget there's a moment in her 2019 documentary um Miss Americana where she says lo- that lover feels like her last chance at success before she like ages out of being a pop star mm. and her success then was monstrous, but her success now is gargantuan. Like, I've been a fan of hers for a long time, seen a, seen a lot of ups and downs, I, I, I guess, in the way the public has treated her, and I have never seen anything like what we're seeing now in terms of the Errors tour or Midnight's or the way that people have embraced her versions of the re- like the re-recordings, I just it just feels very mind blowing and it feels kind of fun that we're both in places we could never have expected to be, but we always secretly hoped we would be. Well, fifteen version of you would be very very proud. Absolutely. I hope so. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think so. And then thirty year old version would be proud of you now. Fifty year old version. I definitely I hope that. so. That's what I <laughs> that's what I try and that's how I try and make decisions. Yeah, um, yeah. In the in, in the world. And I, I I'm mm. very curious. Like 30 isn't that far away. 
like re- relative to how quickly time goes. Um, mm. But to think of everything that I've achieved now, to see what my life might look like in six years when I'm 30 that I can't imagine now um, is really intriguing and exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. There are also so, some things that I'm like, I, I, I wish older me could come, could turn around and give me some advice on stuff now. Um, that would that well, that'd be, be nice. <laughs> like, let me know how it turns out, please. Um, but since that can't happen, I'm just enjoying the ride. Yeah, yeah. So to finish off, my dear, even though I know we could talk forever about pop culture, we have <laughs> where can people find you what should people do if they want to know more about you about your story plug away my dear plug away okay so if we're doing the plug mm-hmm. then you can find me on instagram at hannah the wildflower for those of you like me who are still bravely clinging to the sinking twitter ship um <laughs> i am at hannah underscore Divini on there um you can you can send me an email you can find me in all sorts of places um so please go and read my book I'll let myself in um with that lovely yellow cover please go and follow missing perspectives and keep an eye out because for those of you who tell stories like we do um we are launching an app called the Missing Perspectives Directory, which basically will link content creators up with newsrooms and other organisations who are looking to platform diverse voices. Um, So that's going to be really cool. Go and watch Latecomers. Um, If you're in the kind of TV and film industry, talk to me about some of my ideas cast me and my friends and things we've got plenty to say (laughs) just come and hang out and work towards the world as it should be with me yeah just a few places people can find you yeah Yeah. like there's loads there's loads and your your podcast you didn't mention your podcast yeah oh yeah we also have (laughs) i don't know if it's like good etiquette on a podcast to mention oh Plug whatever. Okay, okay, okay. So Missing Perspectives (laughs) has a new podcast Mm -hmm. called Book Smart, um, based on the idea that like books are often the gateway to us learning and talking about social issues, whether they're fiction or nonfiction. Um, So we talk to some wonderful female authors um, across that series. Um, They're hopefully going to be international as well, and just looking at the way that we use books to understand the world. So if you'd like to go and listen to Booksmart, we have a couple of episodes out at the moment. One is where I'm being interviewed about my book, um, where, like, I'm recording one later this week with Chanel Contos. I've yes. done ones with ha- with Hannah Ferguson. Like, the, it, like you said, it's podcasting is an excuse to talk to your friends, but it's also... Um, just just great to platform women who are telling stories and also if you have books that you're reading that you think we should talk about or stories you think missing perspectives should cover get in touch because we are always looking for 
new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone, everything that Hannah mentioned, if you're thinking, I need, I don't know how to remember all this, all these places and things, everything will be in the show notes. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. It's a bit everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> yes, she is. She is the woman with many, many titles. She is. Yes, proudly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, my dear, for coming onto the podcast, letting me chat to you. I really, really appreciate it. And I, again, am just so proud of you like seeing you grow over the past couple of years and just watching your career just get ginormous it's just amazing to see and yeah just thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for having me thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of feeling nostalgic i'll make sure to put all of hannah's works platforms um projects in the show notes from her book i'll let myself in to also her media platform missing perspectives as well as previous uh work that she's done for late Co- latecomers the tv show again i'm sorry i'm losing my voice so sorry this is a bit croaky um but yeah thank you so much hannah for coming on to the show and thank you so much listeners for tuning in if you enjoyed today's episode as always please leave a rating and review it helps others discover this podcast and also do feel free to dm us or share on your instagram stories what you're loving about the podcast i've been appreciating all the love and support you've all been giving for the past couple of weeks and i look forward to seeing you all again next week for another podcast episode next week on the show we have a pop culture expert who literally has a show that's all dedicated to the daily pop culture news cycle and i cannot wait for you to listen to next week's episode i'm your host demi lynch say hi to your dog for me We acknowledge this podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.